And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. Good evening, Dungeoneers. It is the February edition of This Old Dungeon. I'm one of your hosts, Lou Alou. Howdy, Edwin here. Good to have you. Hey, guys, it's Bill. Glad to be back. All right, we are all on. We're all on right from the beginning of the podcast. Things are, are turning up 100% right now. So, how you guys been? What sort of gaming have you gotten into lately? Uh, Bill, you doing some gaming? Because I can be fast. So, I, I fell off a cliff after the page convention. So, I haven't, I have done diddly as far as gaming, uh, gaming myself goes. We, uh, it's the new year. So, you know, our pay setter workload is, is through the roof for the next couple of months. We got some big projects coming, so I've just been completely tied up with that. Um, but um, what is this? April, February, so March. I actually am scheduled to do a couple things in March. So I think they're going to both be online, but uh, more to come on that. I don't want to change myself. Edwin? I have I have been uh, playing in my two call, weekly Call of Cthulhu games, and they've been they're both pretty fun. They're both turning out to be relatively longer campaigns. And uh, so we've been having some nice uh, character interaction and so forth. That's, that's been, uh, that's been nice. And uh, I am, uh, well, I'm getting ready to go down to total con tomorrow. I head down to total con. I'm running a couple of uh, games there and I'm going to play in, oh shoot. I'm playing in something I have never played. Oh, I'm playing in a Morrow, Morrow project game. Like the original, uh, fourth edition, fourth. Okay, so I don't, I don't know, I'm not real sure the litany of that game, but I know like the original. Everybody's always like, "Oh, the coolest idea ever, worst system ever." Worst system. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not trying to make a pun here, but I don't know the genealogy of the uh, Moral Project line, but I know first because we tried to play it back in the day because we were a big <laughs> post-apocalypse group my gaming group was and uh yeah it's uh that'll be cool to get a report on it Edwin, because i'm fascinated yeah I'm, I'm super curious about it i'm excited that i got to got to sign up for it um and then coming up in in a month i guess um i am taking part in a it's a week-long streamed fundraiser but not 24 7 it's just a week of evenings um of all sorts of different games and i am Playing, I'm signed up to play in a game of Fallout, which is also for me will be a new one. I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. And then I'm running a a session of the game that I translated that uh, Dungeon Inc., where you play monsters and take on the adventurers after you you lure them into your dungeon and go <laughs> kill them and steal their stuff. I love this um, idea. So I'm I'm super excited to run that. Um, so if we have any uh, French-speaking listeners that want to play some games the week of March 18th, uh, you can uh, hit me up and I'll get you the contact info for it. We've got definitely uh, uh, you know shoot but, the contact me. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like two. I think there's two parallel two games every night, uh, Monday through Friday, and then I think Saturday and Sunday each have three or four uh, slots, maybe with two games per slot. So there's a fair amount of gaming. Yeah. Uh, available is that all uh, is it going to be broadcast over like twitch or yep yeah it's all going to be streamed on twitch there's a couple of twitch channels that are sharing 
sharing the streaming and yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of uh, different players, I think. And, you know, maybe 10 or 12 different game masters, each running one or two games. So I think it's going to be a hoot and it's the same kind of deal that I often get involved in where, (laughs) you know, for a little bit of money, you can make weird stuff happen in the game. That's the best. Yep. Love it. What about you, Lou? What's your gaming world looking like? So uh, it's been pretty sparse since the last podcast. We I think we actually made the Sunday game happen twice. Just like, you know, everybody's got a different schedule going on. And uh, um, so both times, I think, were non-Ravenloft uh, yeah. games. So we are still stuck in a foyer of the Castle of Ravenloft. No progress there. But we played, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to look it up super fast here. We played a crazy-ass game this last session. Uh, it was DCC, but it was, um, and I'm trying to find what it's called. It's it's a zine. It's like, I want to say it's called like Greg's Zine or something like that. It's some dude zine. And if you look at it online, I mean, it looks like somebody with uh, marginal artistic ability drew on a notebook a cover <laughs> and drew like the... Uh, and so anyhow, this this is one of like, I guess, a dozen adventures that are in one of this uh, one of the issues of the zine uh, where the um, this company moves into a, a little hamlet and um, starts offering insurance to farmers and to, to merchants uh, to cover their horses. And then uh, <laughs> when the horses get sick and stuff, they fail to pay on the on the insurance. And First you're sent in by the the mayor of the town to, to go figure out what's going on and get these people their money back. And it ends up to be like a real, you know, quirky, modernistic, uh, sort of like, you know, everybody's in cubicles in this, in this little, you know, <laughs> castle. And, uh, it's a bunch of undead working the, the typewriters and oh, stuff. Nice. And, you know, it's a vampire that's in charge of the whole thing. And, you know, it says clearly on the contract that this and that voids the contract. And it was, it was, crazy and fun but uh very much like askew from anything else i've ever played oh nice i i I kind of feel like it's uh i don't know i i i think it's even one of our mails or emails may get onto this too but i think the getting out of the i won't call it a rut but getting out of the norm and doing like just just being willing to to play a little bit and do something that feels kind of goofy is uh can be a whole lot of fun and definitely help yeah. you stretch the stretch how you think about gaming and playing your character and you know all that kind of stuff and that's I mean I think that's kind of a lot of the like allure for the game that you translated right I mean yeah. you flip the script you you know it's uh, definitely you know something that you know reinvigorates your your love for role playing to be able to try these these new and crazy approaches yep yep but uh, I will. Cool. Oh, I've got I've got something. OK, listeners, listen careful. This this I'm going to report back to you next episode. But um, have you ever <laughs> wanted to have a, a big ass color map to throw down at a convention or at your, your gaming table? And uh, you're like, you know, if you're like me, you've printed out a thousand color copies and taped them together and, and spent forty dollars in ink. <laughs> All right. So there's a company I I, I Get vending stuff from for my uh, game company called Stomp, and they make like stickers and beer bottle labels and all sorts of other stuff. Well, for like twenty one bucks, you can get like a table sized color vinyl mat printed in full color. So I've I've sent away with a, a map uh, on that print 
to see what it'll look like. It, it says that it's an, it's durable and it's made for outdoor weather. So I'm thinking, man, <laughs> if it's if it's everything is cracked up to be, I'll be able to use my wet erase pins on it and everything. So uh, I may have found the uh, the way to make a cheap, well, relatively cheap table size map. So I'm very excited about that. If you can't, awesome. So for like a I, I am, game or something. I am a hundred percent in on this one. So, yeah. um, this sounds great. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to supposed to come in a week and a half. So uh, it's 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 a little bit of a turnaround. So you kind of got to plan ahead. But yeah. um, everything. But I'll let you know next time if it was worth it. But yeah. twenty one bucks, I figure it's worth the gamble. Sweet. Yeah. Speaking of turnarounds, I know we're going to get into it soon enough, but the module for this week i actually ordered in physical form two and a oh. half weeks ago from drive through i still don't have it so oh. yeah uh, thank god i did the pdf option with it so but, <laughs> yeah because i normally don't i just order the physical one um but i did on this one but yeah it's so turnaround time for anything right now is, is still just yeah, near. ridiculous but i i am actually really intrigued by this because uh i actually have a big side project we're doing for texas that i could use something like that so yeah um, perfect perfect yeah. glad you're the guinea pig yep <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll definitely I'll, I'll let everybody know it'll it'll be a uh, first thing out of my mouth next time we talk about gaming hopefully you it'll know, be I, ex- i'll be excited as i am right now <laughs> it was years ago i kick-started a vinyl map Kickstarter. It was like, and I don't remember. I have them. They're still up, sitting up on my shelf. But it was like ten big maps and a whole shit ton of small maps, and uh, they seem pretty good. I mean, I I, I struggle to because I you know they weren't my designs. They were somebody mm-hmm. else's designs. So now, of course, I have to write a campaign around <laughs> or an adventure yeah. around the maps that I have, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, "Hey, this is the thing I want to run. Let me go buy a map and have it made." Um, but as the physical part of them seem pretty good. So I, I wish you good luck. I think there's, I think there's a high chance of success. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm really curious. Cause we use, we used to um, get a lot of uh, vinyl posters, like heavy outdoor type vinyl ones through. Um, oh, now I'm blacking on the name. This to print. And uh, for, for pace setter, cause we used to always print individual, whatever convention we're going to, we would print like all our new release products. We'd get a poster uh, and one or two more based on what we're doing. So we always had, and they're like 30 by 50. They're a fairly good size. And I was always really impressed with the, like the image. We could send a, a very high DPI image and it wouldn't come back. You know, it's getting blown up to a, this large yeah. map. They would never be pixelated. It'd be beautiful. The artwork comes back. You know, I always thought maybe I could do, a, you know, same thought process. I could do, a, you know, 28 millimeter scale, scale a map up to 28 millimeter and print yeah. them that way because they're not that expensive. I want to say they're, well, they used to be like, shit, you could get them for like $22 back eight, 10 years ago. Now they're probably up to 40 or 50 bucks a piece. But well, we've had, we've had pretty good luck uh, with shower heavy. curtains too, of getting yeah. these big six yes. by six maps. Yeah, you guys get the yeah. big, uh, yep. the giant ones. Yeah. yeah. Those are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the one that you guys uh, have the, the huge one of? It, we, so it's the the Teagle Manor. Teagle Manor. We have the Bard's Gate. Teagle Manor. We have it's four, basically six by six maps. So put them down on the floor. It's a twelve by twelve, uh, one inch squares. You know, so it's a normal combat grid. It's just a really big place. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we've run that several times uh, where you're standing up and you've got you're moving around the floor uh, <laughs> with the with the minis, and that's a hoot. Well, that's awesome. 
We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion, this letter writer is a total whack. All right, well, we actually got some mail today, thanks to the the listeners that, that came to the rescue there. I know a couple of you sounded like you were a little sympathetic to us, so you wrote us. So, uh, <laughs> oh, is it email time? It's email time. All right. Well, I've got some emails here. here since you forwarded them to me so nicely. <laughs> We've got uh, Jesse Mills here. Jesse asks, it's been a while, guys, but be assured I'm still listening. Well, thank you, Jesse. I felt bad you didn't have any. Oh, great. I felt bad you didn't have any letters last episode. <laughs> So I figured I would send some love your way. In a recent game, my beloved elven bard, Cherry, 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 we'll say Cherry, yeah. lost her arm in a deadfall trap. I was surprised at how frustrated this made me. Now, before you think me to be the emotional type, the circumstance was that I failed a deck save and my DM, instead of dealing the 6d6 damage, decided he would roll one of his hit location dice and see what part of poor Cherry got stuck under the block. Part of me feels it should just have been damage as per the normal 5e rules, but then the devil on the other shoulder realizes that the DM was trying to spice up the trap and make it something more than a game mechanic. So that's the lead up, guys. I would love to hear your thoughts on what the DM did, whether you have ever felt frustrated over something that happened to a character, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, and what sort of non-damage consequences you've seen in a game, and which ones were actually more fun or entertaining than just taking damage. I've enjoyed the delve you guys have been taking into some games I've never heard of. Will you guys ever give your long take, no insult intended, on some <laughs> of the newer games like Shadowrun or Vasin? Cheers. Well, that's uh, 17 questions in there. We'll see if we can pick yeah. them apart here. Yeah. Can we start backwards? Sure. Sure. I love uh, Vasin, and, um, and I've played and run several adventures of it. But I think they're all too recent for well, Shadow Dark, uh, same thing. Great, great game, and brand uh, new. yeah. Uh, but it's all brand new stuff, and in principle, we are focusing on adventures written before 1984. I just 90, made up a number. 90, yeah, I was thinking 2000, but <laughs> oh, hey, we're up to 2000. O- older games, yeah. So in yeah. another in another 10 years, if we're still at it, we'll absolutely look at some of the old Basin <laughs> stuff and the old Shadow Dark stuff. Uh, and dive into it i think um yeah i think i think it's part of avoiding being a review and really more about reconstructing rebuilding that we've been trying to yeah. take stuff that's uh that's a little older and it's played out and admittedly sure. i feel yeah. like at least myself i fall into the trap of making it more of a review than a how to repurpose but but yeah it comes and goes we have better episodes exactly. than worse ones but yeah that's yeah, that's the purpose is to 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 give you a chance to take something that you you know it's got some dust on it and, and bring it to the table again. Yeah, exactly. I, I would feel, I, I don't think I would feel absolutely comfortable taking a product that's maybe still it's on the for shelf. sale right now, sort of. Yeah, and yeah, tearing it apart. yeah it's just not, not, that's not where I want to go. Um, yeah, but they are, that, good that's good stuff. It's a good comment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So backing up, we have what the GM did to their character and whether we've ever uh, been attached to a character and also what sort of non-damage consequences and this sounds like damage also but non just straight hit point yeah, damage consequences hit points or whatever i think is the sure. yeah. yeah so it's that seems three pretty interesting topics right there too well know. the question she didn't up. answer said that this was a bard was the arm her guitar arm because that's 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 crushing there man that is literally yeah. <laughs> 
I hope it was. <laughs> you're you're a bard hater. I am a bard hater. I Bards and gnome get no love from Bill. No. I, um, I have on your head, but it's all right. <laughs> I've definitely gotten attached to characters. There's no doubt, and I've definitely gotten frustrated uh, about what goes on. And it it's not. And I I've actually thought about it a lot to try to figure out when and why and because sometimes like i just had my character a character that i like in in one of the call of cthulhu games uh just lost 20 points of sand which is huge i mean it's a huge yeah. hit huge. and they they have now a two month um major issue and i have a week before we play again and i'm super excited to figure out what that issue is like i've been pondering it and thinking about what happened and why they lost the sand. I'm like, okay, this, this might be fun. And let's see how would that play out? So sometimes the fact of a character getting, you know, losing a limb or um, having, having some, some change in their view on reality or whatever is really cool and, and a fun role-playing opportunity. And sometimes it just feels like the GM's a an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one, so, of, one of the thoughts I had about a lot of this, stuff and i've thought this before you guys weigh in on it a lot of these types of things are fun for the gm yeah. period no I, I can totally see being this guy and being like man i got these dice i bought at a convention i gotta find a use for them this will be great let's see what gets smashed yeah <laughs> yeah i so i i guess i'm of two minds on this a little bit um i've played in a lot of games way back where this kind of thing occurs uh top the original first first edition top secret it's hit location tables that kind of thing you can get an arm blown off whatever uh boot hill same kind of thing mm -hmm. um but i think the difference being is in those games it's an expect it's almost say it's an expectation that that's going to happen but it is a um it's it's a realized mechanic that everyone knows exists versus Especially five E D and D. Exactly. That's not five <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? E. I'd expect that you 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 take a good night's rest and your arm would grow back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I think that that would play into it for me is I you know I don't want to second guess what a GM is doing and it can't make because we we just don't know the full context of it all, right? But it it sounds like I think the player should when I first read the email, I thought he had the option of that happening too. And then I reread it and I was like, no, it sounds like the GM just said this is what it's going to be versus yeah. giving the player, you know, I hate the term player agency, but maybe he should have been given a little player agency there. In the well, I, I think you guys are right. Like, the, flavor, like the, if, if the rest him, of the right? flavor of the game is more. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it's absolutely. But so maybe I, you know, looking at it, I, I, I didn't want to read into it too much, but I'm like, okay. Was the block gonna could could the damage potentially kill that PC, or is the GM giving him an out right um, and saying, "Hey, this might you know yeah. we can go this way and something else drastic might happen to your character, but you might you'll probably live." So it, I don't know. I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of have two minds on it, but if the player's not going to be happy and is going to be kind of resentful and kind of like, "Hey, now my character sucks," kind of thing, you didn't do anything. To help your game, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I will, I will say that 
Because uh, he's Jesse, got some idea to give this character a robotic arm down the road or something right, then, else. Then it can be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, right. Yep. So, I, you know, I don't know, but um, I don't like personally manipulating people's characters probably without consulting them a little bit first because or, or the game expectation either one i think without yeah. yeah yeah it's just uh it's like you know players a lot of times take a lot of like you know especially the forever player right so he's never a gm the forever players they often they take a lot of pride in the character they've built even if it's a second or third level character they get together you know hey i got this character here and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and now i can do this do that and when something drastic like that happens, you know, um, man, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how that benefits the game. I would say overall, unless it, again, unless the GM has some idea already, but then you should probably take the player aside and say, "Hey, I when we when we play next Friday, yeah, I got I got something happen. You know, this is going to be really cool. You're going to love it. Okay, all right, uh, you know, you you just buy in then, right? Okay, let my player agency go, and I'm buying in. So I do I do have a uh, a game story. So uh, last night, what's today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, last night in the uh, in our Stonehill Old School Essentials game. Yes. Uh, one of my one of my hirelings um, is was a ha- uh, an orc, a half orc, half orc, um, and had hit eighth level, maxed out. But several levels ago, uh, they 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 got hit by some kind of trap and they dropped enough XP, like 50,000 or 60,000 XP to drop them from sixth level to fifth level. And so we got back to town and we tried all this magic, you know, to try to restore the lost experience points. And we learned that the experience, which sort of represented part of its as his soul or his life experience, whatever was still trapped. So it hadn't actually been, disappeared so it couldn't be gotten back because it was somewhere else so this was i don't know a year ago or six months ago whatever and last night my (laughs) my character was next to this uh pool of chaos and we eliminated the pool of chaos we were super excited and it fought back and it smacked down my character who's now eighth level and he lost four points of charisma and somehow the old character, the XP associated with the old character came to life. And so I now have two clones, <laughs> one of whom is like sixth level, but the eighth level character got mega bumped up. It's now a ninth level character, even though eighth is the max possible in OSC. And he got this new roar, which, uh, you know, strips the flesh off anyone within 20 feet. But he also turned chaotic. And so, <laughs> like, it's it was like this huge roller coaster of all this stuff going on. And now we have the fun of trying to figure out how the heck I'm supposed to deal with two twin uh, hirelings that have different <laughs> stages of memories. And one of them's chaotic. And, like, there was so much shit being done to my character behind my back. But it was so interesting and confusing that I was like, okay. So th- there's an example of some non-damage consequences that I've seen in a game, just to, to get back to Jesse's question, that was cool. Hopping around the question a bit, um, you guys had mentioned like the, the bard getting a cybernetic arm. And I was going to say like in, in her expression of like being upset about a character having 
something happened to them. That That's the one memory I do have is like, I think we were playing a superheroes game and I had a character that was like magic based and something happened where we were fighting aliens and lo and behold, the, the game master. And I think uh, in his defense, I think he thought he was doing something cool for me, like, like making the character better. Mm-hmm. Uh, had like these implants get put into the character. So now, now it's like I got a laser eye and I forget what, something with an arm. Um, and I just remember at the time being like, oh, now I just don't want to play the character. It's just not what I, you know, they, <laughs> not they're not vision. the, you know, Herbert the Magician anymore. <laughs> they're this thing that's, you know, but um, but I think having that open adventures heart like you're talking about where it's like, well, no, let's let's see what path this story goes down. If I just had the right mindset, I think that, you know, it wouldn't have struck me like that. Yeah. I had a couple more thoughts, by the way, too. And just because it's me, like if I gave that bard a robotic arm or something like that, I would play the Dr. Strangelove card, and it'd be like a 5% chance every time they did something cool, the arm would try to strangle it. You know, <laughs> himself. Right. So, um, but I, I think the, the other elephant in the room, when we talk about like if we have our hat, you know, have non-damaged things happen to characters – that are traumatic. I mean, right. Level drain. We didn't Level talk drain. About that. I, I know that doesn't exist in 5e. I get that. But, you know, back in the day, I mean, you felt personally attacked if your character got level drained. It was so awful. Um, yeah, I, I kind of got a love hate of it. Like, Oh, like I'm the same feels... way. I, I, I love the whole concept of level. Drain. I think, I think the fear it brings to the table. Absolutely. To me is, is yeah. brilliant. So that's, that, that's the, the part I love is like, it, once, it, once you know you're up against something that could take away your levels, Oh, does the crap get real? But it's a new, it's a new hand, fight. It never yeah. feels very good story wise. It's like okay, all this stuff you used to be able to do, it's all gone now. You know, right. it's really right. hard to. All the guys wait that we can't wait to kick down the next door, or all of a sudden the only door they're kicking down is the one behind them trying to get the. Yeah, I think that would be the other one, right? Is you know any of us who have been level drained old school D and D, and I certainly been falling victim to it. That is something that you feel it's like, oh my god, I, you know, it's just it, it, it's 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 not traumatic, but mm-hmm. in a game sense, it's traumatic, right? So, well, and the alignment change is a big oh, deal because that breaks up a whole party. Know, potentially, god, the, uh, god, what do they used to have that? Uh, but oh, the, the one, the girdle or whatever you. This put the girdle around. of sex change and the girdle <laughs> yes. of alignment change, <laughs> or, or the door there and two mahors, yeah. What, yeah. What well, in the in the old school well, stuff, actually, where... I think it's in the DMG, actually, isn't it? Is I think so. Yeah, well, in the old Precision days, also, you know, when your your paladin would become a fighter because they were no longer lawful, or your cleric oh, yeah. would lose no, their cleric abilities, and you know they'd become yeah. a crappy second ass fighter, and, well, there, and all that, all that right. stuff. We could get on a whole list of shit that got right. Real. So that all exists. Uh, they were not, I wouldn't say, particularly fun. I mean, again, they if they're worked into the story in a cool way, so the paladin loses their paladinhood. And then you have an adventure centered mm. around the paladin the going on a quest arc. to regain it. Yeah. That's cool. A paladin becoming a you know, second tier fighter. Eh, that's not so cool. Well, I, it, the whole paladin thing is I ran one, a, a game one time where, you know, again, I, I talked to the player behind, you know, off to the side. I said, because he was doing some kind of crazy stuff. And, and you know, one of the things I was going to talk about when I thought about it initially was, how am I going to get this guy back on the rails? Because he's not really playing a pal and he's playing a fighter that has cool abilities and he's still doing whatever the hell he wants. So, you know, I, we, we sat down and, and talked about it and I said, well, you know, if you keep doing that, here's this, you know, 
you're going to fall victim to this this part of the mechanic of a paladin, and you ain't going to be a paladin anymore. It's going to be gone. And I said, but if that's what you want to do and you want to play it that way, you can lose your ability so your paladin can actually infiltrate this evil cult without being a paladin and then Ooh. regain your paladin powers by defeating this evil cult. So, and we wound up doing that. And it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun um, watching cool. the other players around the table, you know, kind of like as he regained his paladin, it said, that was cool. Right. Mm. And so payoff. long, payoff. It, right. A payoff to it. So I, I think like I said, we could go back to it. It's like, it's okay to do this, but there really should be another page, right? That mm, yeah. not just turn the page. Should, should, something should be written out of their page addressing <laughs> this issue. So, I think that's I think that's where I stand. We're beating this great email. Thank you, yep. Seth, for sending. <laughs> Thank you, so, Jesse. Yeah. The, the only other thing I got to throw on is as far as things other than damage. Um, one of the things I do like about DCC is there's some cool curses in in the game that yeah. can yeah. be bestowed, and also some cool diseases and poisons where it affects your character it, it it does things to them but it can be recovered through you know going on this quest or you know seeking out this sort of medication or whatever uh and well, i really cool like positive that. stuff also i mean in, in a similar way you get some weird blessing yeah. that suddenly you're suddenly kobolds love you or suddenly <laughs> you know whatever it is you know yeah absolutely i think that stuff's all again when done yeah it's, it can be super fun yeah, so I guess finishing up, I, I I think uh I think we brought up some great ideas based around this, but I'm really not so sorry that your bard lost his arm. <laughs> <laughs> wow, harsh. All right, let's move on then. Uh from John Williams, who writes, No mail, I'll take the case. Everyone's coming to our rescue. Here we go. I noticed that some people use the word grok. So I have to ask, how much Robert Heinlein has has everybody read? So I, I gotta admit, I had to do some research on the connection here because I guess I just never knew. <laughs> so, uh, so Heinlein's the guy that wrote Starship Troopers and yeah. uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, and I guess that was in in Stranger in a Strange Land. From my research, it's in something I knew natively. Uh, that's what they call uh, drinking in in the Martian uh, world, and mm -hmm. then that kind of came a, a euphemism for like understanding or taking anything in. So. Uh, so uh, very little. I've read very little, but I do use the word grok. I think it just kind of rubbed off on me from other uh, gamers. I, I had to do the same thing, Lou. And, and honestly, I to, to be totally transparent, the only books I've ever read from Highland are Starship Troopers and Stranger Interest. That's the only thing I've ever read. And, and it's not for any reason. I mean, I just don't know why I never got back to reading more Highland stuff because I do like his his work. So um, I might have read something else that's evading me right now, but. Um, I'm a big Starship Troopers fan. I love that. I, man, I wish that IP. Yeah, I, you know, I, I never realized how long ago that was written. You know, I, yeah. I, I oh god, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bill Barr's trivia that was the first, whatever you want to call it, war game game that I ever played in 1976. That's that was my uh, Starship Troopers is my gateway drug to game. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think Grok for me rubbed off from the computer science from programming world. And I don't even yeah. remember where it came from. It wasn't from gamers, though. And I I feel like I enjoyed Heinlein. I don't think I have read Heinlein in 35 years, 40 exactly. years. Right. So, yeah, thanks for the refresher reminder, because definitely, along with a lot of other stuff, we'll get back to that. <laughs> and that's a, actually, that's funny because it ties into our work today. So, yeah. 
Then here we have a final email from A. Nost. A ghost? I don't know if it's a typo. Yeah, right, that, 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 Nost sounds good. I think that's Nost how we sounds pronounced good it to last me. time, I think. Yeah. Hey there, Dungeon Architects. Happy New Year's. I have recently read a good Facebook post over variable weapon damage in the original BX game, or the lack thereof, I should say. There were some great points about how really an axe, sword, or knife wound are not at all are not all that different in their likelihood of preempting death, and that it's really more about how capable the attacker is and what sort of armor the target has that would determine the seriousness of the injury. Let me just say, I like rolling those different dice for damage, so even the logic brought out in this argument isn't likely to change my play habits. But I present this argument to you guys. What do you think? Should damage be linked to weapon type? Class? The target's armor? Just not so random? Have you seen any interesting systems when it comes to these sort of physics? Keep those dungeons fresh. Thanks for all the great episodes. It's exciting to find out what new old gem you three will serve up next. Alex. All right. Who wants to tackle so variable one? weapon damage? I well, think, I'll, I'll I feel like ahead. we had a conversation about this once, maybe when we were talking about the the homes. Probably, the book, but... yeah, probably. I mean, for me, I feel like you have. I, for me, I see three uh, paths to go down. I guess one is the path that Alex seems to be trying to go down, which is this discussion of what's realistic, and. I, I don't go down that path very far, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off that path and talk about the other two paths that I think uh, <laughs> that I think about. And one of them is the that part of gaming for a lot of people, or for a lot of games, is decision making is is in fact min maxing something or other. And so the ability to say this weapon is more expensive, but it's heavier. And it does more damage, but it's not going to affect a slime, but it's really good against unicorns. Like that kind of <laughs> tactical trade-off stuff can be a lot of fun. And if that's the kind of game you want, then you need to have an interesting set of options available for you. Because combat, whatever we all may say, is a large part of the type of gaming that most of us do. And so that's where a lot of that decision making comes in. Or if you want a game that is not about those types of decisions, then you simplify all of that stuff and you get rid of those tactical decisions and you make your game more about other types of decisions, you know, whether to talk to the prince or, or uh, clean the water supply or whatever. And that's, that's also cool. But I, for me, those are really the, where the argument is not about whether a dagger is more or less likely to kill somebody than a sword. Yes. So I, I, this is one of the times I'm actually agreeing with Edwin pretty much <laughs> all the way around. Podcast over. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I'm not. Remember into the episode when they got boring and they all started agreeing? No. Yeah. <laughs> Jump the shark. Um, I, I'm not about weapon porn. About Yeah. It's just no. But um, so I look at variable weapon damage. I mean, I had to take a hard look at it when we started doing all this home stuff last year and we're, you know, put together this beta rules for taking the homes rule book and, and blowing it up a little bit. And we, we, one of the things we did immediately was we went to a variable weapon damage and instead of the homes, one D six, one D six minus one or one D six plus one, because and the main reason for, for my line of thinking with this is, is not that it, is so much of a focus on what would this weapon do realistically? Cause I don't really care. Um, but more along the lines of, 
I like creating that little bit more of variability in combat with different dice for different weapons. Um, it it kind of, again, it just creates a little bit more um, diversity through mechanics um, instead of forced, you know, some sort of forced thing. So I, I that's why I like it. I think that's why my group has always used it. it I mean, as soon as we figured out that that could be a thing, we've always done it. And we started playing way, I mean, we started playing in 77. So all we had was the home set. And the minute the, the um, we got our hands on the player's handbook and even a monster manager to some degree, and we realized that you could do variable weapon damage, boom, <laughs> it was all game over, right? And you never went back. And I see, I see why, you know, some people still embrace it. You know, they love playing OD and D because of the simplicity of just rolling D6s and that kind of thing. But damn, they give us all these cool dice. Why not? Exactly. Use I want to use yeah, my right? D12 I mean, sometimes. Yes. You know, I don't want to go DCC <laughs> crazy here, right? you know, with a million different types. But it's uh there's you know, a line. Not, yeah, I, I I like to be adventurous with it. I'm not that crazy. Um, but I do I, I think for me that's where I'm coming from. I, I just like it does create a little bit more variable. And I like what Edwin said too, absolutely about, you know, having this weapon that does X number damage, but it's super heavy. And by the way, it doesn't work on this thing at all, but it slays these things really easily, whatever. Um, that to me, that's fun. It, it just creates, again, variety to the game. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo it. what you said as far as like, you know, if, if all the weapons do the same damage, then it's you might as well just have one weapon. I mean, you can call it an axe, call it a sword, call it a knife, but it's really sure. just the same. Uh, you know, I, I but I like the I like the idea of the different weapons and what that would be like and how this warrior is different than that warrior because of the you know the way they're kitted out. Uh, you know, I'm not into the weapon porn to the you know the whole Gary Gygax pages of glaives <laughs> kind of thing going on, but uh, but I think it's interesting to have different weapons doing different things. And so, you know, I, I could see a mechanic where maybe the weapon gives you different situational bonuses and maybe that's the thing it does. But I do feel it just it has to have some difference. There has to be some reason why swinging an axe is going to be different than swinging a knife. And uh, in, in well, what, you know, why yeah, you have to. Really I, I think you have to have that dichotomy. I mean, just this if you look at the simple fighter, right? I mean, if, a, if essentially a magic user is doing the same amount of melee damage as a fighter is doing. I don't, I just, well, no, cause I think, I think no, there's other, like they, and they actually mention it here. There is the option that the fight. Well, so for example, the fighter gets their strength bonus, but the fighter could just get plus two to damage, or maybe they add their level to damage, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So, maybe their damage die is different than the wizard's damage die. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what weapon the fighter uses. And there are, I've played games like that where the, yeah. the some character has a D 12 damage, whatever weapon they're using. And some other character has a D four damage. For sure. And sure. I think that's that's cool. It's it's a different type of difference. Yeah. Um, the other one I was thinking about is that I kind of like. I'm trying to remember. There's a few few. Uh, well, I call it Cthulhu, but there's some others where armor is uh, you know damage soaking, um, like, as opposed like to making. Yeah, as opposed to making it yeah. harder to hit, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of fun because that that's just a different twist on the whole thing. That's still simple. Like I didn't like the, <laughs> I did not like the AD and D. Uh, weapon type versus armor class oh. <laughs> nonsense like I, conceptually yeah. that's yeah. kind of fun but i don't actually in practice it was just too too especially goofy and too the way it was delivered it was yeah. way yeah. too over like my general yeah my my general experience with almost everyone i talked to who started playing back then when that book came out 
we yeah. all did it when it came out because we was tried it once cool instinct, <laughs> and then it was gone because yep. no they just weren't going to deal with it anymore it, 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 the advantage of it just wasn't wasn't going to be any fun so and i think i think that's where you end up when you start thinking about what's realistic right is oh well this kind of weapon doesn't work against chain mail and this kind of working works really well yeah, against leather and, armor and I, I don't think it would work in a game like D&D where you have, you know, 30-odd weapons. But um, Paranoia had a system where you, you look at the weapon and you cross-reference it with the type of armor being worn, and it told you your percent chance to hit on that one, one right. chart. And, and it's still maybe a little, you know, old school, maybe a little, it kind of slow things yeah. down a little bit, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's just yeah, like, I mean, okay, that's... what are you shooting with? What are you hitting at? Okay, well, you need 40%. So That's I... cool. Uh, it, you know, me being a, the old school player, I'm not not really a five E player at all. But and not for any reason. It's just I, I just don't that much. But I I and I know it's this isn't a five E mechanic because it's been around the like, prior versions. Um, I don't hate the idea of like slashing weapon, blunt weapon, piercing yep, weapon. Piercing. I, I don't hate that concept actually. I mean, I, well, that that I, I feel like that concept. Even I mean that concept does go back to some of the old edition yeah. stuff. Like no, it, it, well, no, I'm thinking it goes back to the, think the zero well, edition. It goes back to other game systems, I'm sure, but yeah. No, but even zero edition D and D, there's some creatures right that you like. I don't remember, but I feel like some of that stuff, like slimes, if you hit it, it with yes. an edged or a pointed weapon, they split and yeah, or whatever. Like well, yeah, it's a skeleton. If you hit it with an edged weapon, it does half damage. Yeah, right, yeah, and that's so, the, so the, the 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 roots of damage type go way yeah, back and certainly I, falling damage and fire damage acid damage, like all that goes way back for sure i, I just think 5e has done does it but a, they've organized it yeah they've mm. it's organized it's codified and they extended it into like radiant oh, yeah. damage radiant and damage kind of exactly. added to it to make it you know more yeah, yeah no it, it's definitely a more formal system like i mean it, that really what a lot of 5e is i think is formalizing yeah concepts and sort of taking them to a little bit of a limit that some people don't like some people do yeah. um the other one i was thinking about was maybe i lost it which is probably a good thing um different types of dice weapon type class target armor i don't remember but yeah, yeah i think uh, i think i mean i think you just have to choose where your decisions are and and enjoy those and not try to do everything I, I just like variable weapon damage. Even yeah. I mean, I, I know I have I have written plenty of adventures where there are instances where you know, something does X damage, but if this factor is going on, it actually does. Instead of doing a D eight, it does a D six or something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've incorporated that. All, I mean, we've I think we all have. You know, yeah. things, so. I've seen a lot of like wanna... pit traps like that, where depending yeah, on what yeah. you're wearing, the pit trap does less or more damage or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. The one I was just thinking of was um, that as black flag uh tales of the valiant was sort of working through their alpha beta tests they had gotten rid of variable damage from creatures not meaning they all do the same damage but meaning you don't roll dice static damage static damage and i i uh, i I didn't know what to do i mean (laughs) because that like the suspense on the table is so exciting when you don't know if it's going to be one hit point or eight hit points that they're going to do for damage and i i I couldn't do it like i was i was translating some stuff for black flag and i was reading the rules and like and i I literally did not do it i was like i know i'm (laughs) supposed to get rid of these dice here and i'm not going to get rid of them i am leaving them in there and if you don't want to use them you can ignore them but I just couldn't do it. I was like, I can't imagine the enjoying as much 
that the idea that every time you hit with a sword, you do four damage. Mm-hmm. So like, it, uh, it's, I've never enjoyed it. Um, and so some of uh, some of our old timers will maybe remember reading this or even play through it way back in the day of early D and D tournaments. Yeah, uh, tournaments. Rarely, you rarely roll damage. It yeah. was mm, standardized. Exactly so it's fair to everybody. Yep. Your NPC, you know, if your fighter, your pre-generated fighter hits, he's doing seven points of damage every time he yeah. hits. And the monsters were the same way, believe it or not. You, you never roll damage from monsters. You know, if you got hit by a bolt, he does two damage. Period. Right. In, right. in that adventure, so but there there is history of this. Now, again, a tournament setting, they did it because they wanted to make everything uniform and fair. But I, it's um, uh, they got rid of that as years went by, just because it just it took so much fun away from the table. So yeah. you still need D and D is a at the end of the day D and D gambling game. Has, Come on, <laughs> it's a game of there is a game of there's an element of chance. Yeah, yeah, If you take that away, it's um, you know, I it, you become too much of you know there's strategic stuff that comes into play where it maybe shouldn't be. So um, interesting concept, but yeah, variable weapon damage. I'm all in over the top stuff. Uh, you're gonna lose me. But, um, but that's that's where I'm at. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, and thanks all three of you for uh, for helping get us out of the uh, the mailless. <laughs> I, I'm going to give it to all three guys. I mean, we we got into some great discussions there. And that yeah. Was, that yeah. Was nice, so. That was that was a good mailbag. We, you know. So if you too have something you would like to ask us, tell us about, tell us we're wrong, suggest we uh, look at something, uh, you can write to us at thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Uh, we will put you on, your letter on the air, minus any curse words. And uh, no, I, I don't know, we probably <laughs> still say those. But anyhow, uh, we'll get you on the air here. We'll we'll discuss what you got. And uh, here uh, we'll, we'll roll at the end of the show and see uh, who wins what. I think I've got a... Uh, my my monster collection is coming to me from the printer, so I could probably give one of those up to one of these lucky uh, writers. Ooh, nice! And, oh, nice! So. I don't know how to pronounce curse words, so so I won't be able to say them if they come. Hey, buddy, want to go for a ride in my flying car? Nah. How about we go fly around with our jetpacks? Nah. The future's just so boring. Is the future boring you too? Well, maybe you should listen into the Save for Half podcast. The podcast about old school gaming, where we take a look at old gaming books with fresh eyes. You can find us at saveforhalf.com or on iTunes or around the corner. Perhaps we're standing behind you right now. Don't look. This. Old Dungeon. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. We we're we're all set for the uh, the main thrust here. We are looking at Star Frontiers: Sundown on Star Mist. Uh, so this is uh, a Star Frontiers TSR. Uh, science fiction product this was an adventure written what was it 80 i just left my mind 83 right i have it right here i had it and i 1983 copyright 1983 yes I don't have a lot of background on this i don't know if you guys found anything interesting uh gary spiegel i know used to work for the original pace setter so i know gary spiegel. i actually know gary spiegel yeah 
Now he passed away, right? Did I read correctly on the internet? Yes. Yeah. So he, uh, um, I did not know him very well, but I knew him from back in the day when I did, you know, some pace setter stuff. Um, but uh, great guy. I mean, his his credits are pretty cool, actually. I had him here somewhere. Um, but he did. Uh, actually, this is one of my. I actually really enjoy this adventure. The kidnapping of Princess Arlena. It's that someone came out of the houses and stand up figures. Oh, cool okay. TSR adventure module. So yeah, he wrote that. Uh, for Paysetter, he did Cleopatra and I Highland Terror. I know for sure. I think he did something with Star Race, and then he—he, he, I mean, he—he he was there for all the rule systems. With you know, he's credited for Chill, Time Master, and Star Race. I'm sure. So that I remember pretty well. Um, and we got a cover by Clyde Caldwell. So I mean, you, you can imagine if you haven't seen it, how awesome it is. Diesel did the maps, which is cool. Great cover. I, I love that. I love that piece. It's just a great piece of work. So, um, and then interior works Brosloff. So I'll get to that later. Um, but you know, one of the things while we're talking about the copyright date in 1983, um, if you get a chance to look at this thing, this does not have the feel of a 1983 module. It looks more like a late eighties module as yeah. far as, um, the typesetting and the layout and the rest of it. Uh, that's, if you that's compare true. To I mean, this is, this is probably pretty early for the three column typeset. Yeah, it is. And, and it, you know, there's, there's some things lacking in here for sure, but um, you know, they, they just, the way they use some to break up text here and there um, and their light, their layout is actually pretty nice for modules of that time frame because there's a lot of, it did feel TSR layout. It did feel pretty gentle on the eye. I yeah, that was nice. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they, funny. They, I took they, it all for granted, guys. I wasn't even looking at layout, but you're right. I mean, this is for '83 is is pretty amazing. It doesn't feel like it's 1983. If you would have asked me, I would have said this is 1990. To be honest, with you what, yeah. what's coming? We've got like the stats uh, split yeah. with the little divider lines. Yeah. So it's like yeah. really yeah. easy or to find. 1988. I mean. I, I, and again, this maybe all Star Frontiers looks like this. I didn't. We did not play it. I I actually bought. Uh, I didn't buy. I pulled out my rules, uh, Star Frontiers box to try and read the rules because I am one of those guys. I have to un when you have a stat block. I need to understand what the hell they're talking about mm -hmm. in the stat block to give me a better context of what the encounter is all about because I don't. I just don't know. So I had to kind of you know not refresh but learn brand new. Um, how these stat blocks work and how basic you know the basic mm -hmm. mechanics of, of star frontiers because it's not dnd right it's definitely it's 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 not this is percentile based system and um, yeah there, there's really not a, a ton of uh dna between the two no 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 i think uh about the only thing you're going to see is weapon damage in most places yeah. getting into that variable weapon damage thing we're talking about um <laughs> but uh yeah, it's just uh, just that observation. I'll, I'll get more into my other thoughts on on the the book itself later. But uh, yeah, it just really they I don't know if they you know they they did a nice job with this. And I don't know if, again, you didn't. I don't think you really saw this in a 1983 module. Not not this way. I should pull some out and compare. Actually, <laughs> especially the the contents page. No, yep. said so I would I would swear just looking at that contents page that this was late 80s. 
this is not what the other stuff looked like. As far as like an overview, it's 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 somewhat of a fragmented uh, plot line, you could say. Um, so like the basic thing, as far as I grokked it <laughs> to, to get <laughs> nice, into our nice. uh, letters there, uh, th there was a ship that crashes on this planet, Star Mist, and um, the the most of the people on the ship survive. And while they're there waiting for pickup, uh, one of the people aboard the ship i forget his name he's like this uh it's malagigi or something like that he's kind of like this wealthy uh vrusk which are these like kind of insectoid aliens um he finds some metal pieces on the planet and it kind of intrigues him that they're they're kind of advanced for the culture that's there and long story short he decides that after they get off the planet that he's going to fund his own personal expedition back to the planet to try to figure out the source of this metal and and to kind of dig into the mystery of where this pseudo high-tech stuff might have come from meanwhile on the planet is a hidden Sraf uh seraph base now the Sraf, uh they're like the bad guys in the star frontiers world they're these warm creatures that are trying to take over the universe and um they've got you know some minions from other races that work with them and uh, so they got this hidden base, and it's it's sort of a weird cluster of things. It's like a weapons development place. It's a recruitment area for uh, agents. Um, it's like a, a supply depot. I don't know. It, it, to me, they didn't pick a lane. They just kind of had it doing a lot of things. But this space is hidden there, and apparently the Seraph get, um, get like, uh, I don't know, skittish about now there's you know, other ships come into the planet and they decide they're going to abandon this base. Meanwhile, the third leg of this <laughs> weird story, the creatures on the planet, they're not native to the planet. Their culture crashed there a long time ago as part of like a slave ship. And uh, the, the slave masters, which are these insect creatures called the click, uh, they, I guess, didn't survive. I don't know. But um, long story short, short the, uh, uh, these this alien race is kind of set up on this planet now as kind of the native race, and they have these um, they have these I guess you could call them religious monuments where uh, this like big wooden pyramids and blockhouses out on this lake, and inside these things are technologies that their slave masters the click had developed, including this massive war tank that's buried underneath this wooden pyramid. So that's kind of the setting, and you're part of a crew that this rich, brusque uh, explorer wants to, you know, they hired you to go with them to kind of come explore the planet and try to find where the source of this technology came from. Is that, you guys got anything that you interpreted differently or anything to add to that? No, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a relatively straightforward, you know, adventure uh, as far as the plot line goes. But I think that's that's probably where it also suffers. I mean, if there, I I don't know that much about Star Frontiers, but if I were to guess, this is the dungeon crawl of Star Frontiers. That's <laughs> kind of the feeling I got for this adventure. Um, I mean, there's some there's some good ideas in here, but you know, the plot, like Lou is saying, there there really isn't much of one. Um, I mean, I my overall feeling was the plot was fairly simple, but it also seemed like it would be easy for the players to miss. Oh, a hundred percent. 
like and and that's kind of a that to me was the part that i was really thinking about what i would want to redo for this is how to make sure that it was fun and easy but didn't feel forced for the players to follow this yeah it is a simple storyline right you go incredibly open sandbox yes you try to get into this in in and it's yeah i don't think it's supposed to be right well what that that's what's weird because there's the the, early on there's a whole bunch of stuff that seemed to be obviously designed to force the characters to the story right so you Mm -hmm. can't you can't fly more than 30 feet above the ground so you can't get out of the rift because you'll get shot down immediately yeah you can't do this you can't do that so there's all this sort of mechanical plot armor so to speak on the story of like how to keep the characters in the adventure and that yeah yeah, and that 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 always grates a little bit so i was i was a little (laughs) bothered by that but at the same time what they're it seemed like there was a lot of i guess maybe i describe it there was a lot of um stick and very little carrot yeah well and the the sticks were weird too it was like there was i think four moments where they suggest to the game master to give a little poke right oh yeah the main dude gets uh just disappears, you know, and he's, forever, yeah. he's being held hostage, but they don't know that, but he just disappears. Now go figure out what's going on there. Oh, these these you know explosions start happening in the village, and you and you notice that there's a couple people floating in midair that look a little funny. What's going on there? You know, it it's real loose things that are trying to I think, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think ultimately what they wanted to happen is the the uh, adventurers find that tank, uncover Absolutely. it, uncover the weapons or whatever, and do a full-out assault on the on the Sathar base. Yeah. That's how I interpret it. I don't know. Or well, or or a sneak assault. Like they could do yeah, either way, but but somehow either, either way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it you put this this tank thing there, it fully usable. It screams they need to use this thing. Absolutely. Um but it but, will explode. Yeah, I, I just, within, but there's yeah, a little self-destruct. Three days yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There was a lot of that kind of like, it, the like game I master felt like the, and the game master take. Yeah, it that kind of like, oh, I don't want this to get out of hand. <laughs> uh, which I could see. So I think unlike the layout, it's the the game design itself felt sort of early. Felt kind mm. of like we, we've come a long way since then and i well, think or some people I even some... kind of felt like this was maybe six months away from where it should have been uh mm. when it when it should have been published you know what i mean like like there's some good ideas here but they just didn't Hadn't cook gel. it long enough you well, know they don't connect. Yeah. They, like you're saying they just don't it, you know when i first flipped through here and again this is this is my old man coming through is first of all i'm doing it on a pdf which i hate <laughs> so the first thing I did was just kind of try to flip my way through here and get an understanding. You know, I read the first couple pages, kind of get the background, and I kind of moved myself through the book to just kind of figure out what was going on here. And it did not. Ha- I was like, okay, I'm not. I'm I'm missing something. I'm really <laughs> yeah. missing the connective tissue here. So yeah. I started trying to go back and read the you know take my slower read through. And I'm like, no, I'm really not missing anything. It's just not freaking there. Um, not yeah. really. Um, not in a, a cohesive, like you said, Lou. This 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 needed six more months of development and playtesting and 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 some work. Not that it's not put together well. It's put together extremely well. Yeah, it looks great, except for the stuff it's missing. So, or or not even want to say missing, but just uh, 
Well, I think like there's that common yeah. thought of, you know, of making sure you have three clues if if somebody needs to figure something out or there's clues in three locations if you want to get make sure that the PCs find it. And they should this, watch, right? I mean, that's the whole thing that's kind of missing for me here is the PCs aren't really even for the word go engaged in this thing. Mm, they're kind of mm -mm. dragged into it and they're they're there's almost you no know, real bad guy. I mean, even the even the sound no, there's they're the abandoning their base. I mean, it, that problem's stuff, about right? to be solved. Yeah. You know? it, well, it, except it, they're going to blow up the planet. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> except for that I part. Um, but, but that's, that's hush hush. The players don't yeah, know that. That's true. They, they never should, learn. Yeah, they just kind of you know that whole uh, mystery box kind of thing that they want to should be untangling. There's it's just it's not conveyed real well. So that. If I was running it as is, that would be the first thing I would do is put a, narr a, a much more narrative story to this and, and try to engage, figure out how. Yeah, I'm, yeah stronger yeah. hook right from the get-go, definitely. Yeah, but since I'm never going to play Star Frontiers ever, so I got my, my my this old dungeon head, I'm like, I'm going somewhere else completely instead of trying to necessarily fix this. Oh, this it, seemed like a perfectly reasonable D&D &D adventure for me. It really is. You can, I, mean, I, 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 I actually I, ignored the stat blocks and most of the yep. rule stuff because i was like this feels so comfortable that i don't even i'm not even i mean sure it's a tank instead of whatever but it's 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 felt like a well it felt like it could easily have been a 1980s D, &D adventure so <laughs> I, i'm gonna take it in another direction completely i decided i would make this a gamma world event yeah sure so, yeah, absolutely um and maybe just a big one shot where the, the pcs are uh actual ancients you know and woke up in some shuttle that's crashing to earth and they land here at this spot and kind of figure out this hell tank thing is. And then they find out there's this evil alien race across the way that they, you know, they got to stop before they do something nefarious and tie it back to that's why they woke up or how they woke up and all that kind of stuff. I, I would turn this nice. for me, I'm turning this into a gamble world adventure. Yeah. Uh, especially the first section of the village part where the, the natives have these uh, weapons. They don't really know how to use or what they even are. Cause they're kind of like, you know, primitive. Um, I kind of to me it plays in real well with that. So I think this is where I'm going with it with this old dungeon. Um, One of the things I would want to see is I would want to see like an archaeological dig. I would like there to be a spot that the the guy's taking you out to where he found the metal, and maybe there's a maybe the the click uh, spaceship that originally crashed here is buried under the earth there, and you're going down yeah. into it. Um, I think that would be fun, and then I I'd, I'd like it to develop more of this interaction between the um uh the heliopes which are the the quote-unquote native races that's that's here the implanted race and, and then the characters because at one point they kidnap the main guy and it kind of leads you to believe they did that because he was bug-like and and they've got like some sort of i guess cultural memory of of the cliques who were bug-like creatures that had enslaved them but it doesn't give you much more than that. And I would like to see that develop as like, you know, maybe they kidnapped him because his hands are formed like they need to be to be able to use the the weapons or technology that was left behind. Or or maybe he could interpret something for them they realized or something. I, I don't know. But but there has to be some some better reason other than, oh, he's a bug. So they kidnapped him, even though he's been there for, you know, multiple stays now. Yeah, no, that was pretty obviously. Uh, we need to make sure the characters go in this direction. Yeah, and give them permission to go burn down the wooden boxes and right. invade the temple. Yeah.
So the, again, that's, yep. So for me, like I said, I would make this a gamma world adventure, but now I'm thinking about it. A, Mar uh, a Marvel project adventure actually would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so um, with, with the, again, the PC's coming out from space, but the reason they're coming to this specific spot is because the, the hell tank is the, was their objective or something. I would tie this into, this is why they're here. And they yeah. come down and it's like, well, where the hell is it? And uh -huh. they find it. It's in this, you know, it's where it's, it's still where it's supposed to be, but now it's under this pyramid that these primitives built and they got to figure out a way to, to not to work get them with them. Crazy and, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah just back know, to an idea of an archaeological dig that, I mean, that, that'd be kind of cool. Like they, they yeah. go and they unearth the ship that this thing was being, you know, yeah. loaded in, but it's not there. And then they got to connect it. Oh, that big wooden pyramid. I bet you it's inside that there, thing. There it is. Yeah. And no, then, I think that ties in with your thing, Lou, of giving us a little more or making a little bit more social encounter so that we can actually work with the Heliopes. Uh-huh. In so now, yeah, to, you want yeah. what's inside their most sacred pyramid. Exactly. How's that going to work out? For how's you? that going to work without, without how's, us how's killing gonna, all of them? And yeah, I, 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 I like that a lot. And I, again, I, this is, this is where I'm going to go. And then you, the, you tie to the sad, or you just make them another villainous thing. And now you have a reason to get this war tank up and going to defeat these guys. You know, it's again, you know, cause now the players feel like, we need to got we got to defend these primitives from this mm -hmm. this evil race coming to destroy them, right? I mean, just it's 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 not an original concept no. necessarily, but but it's, it's playable. Uh, yeah, it's playable, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think no, I, I want everybody to carry that tune, right? I mean, that's the that's exactly. the beauty of uh, but the the module stuff gives you all the bones to make that storyline work, right? It, yes, it gives you it gives the, you all the the place the is well fine. described. Yeah, the the maps are good. And you know, so in a nutshell, that that's it for me on, on that. Now, the, the module itself. I mean, and we talked a little bit about the construction. There's some really good maps in here. They're all perfectly usable today and any day. There's a lot of I like it when done when when books give you, um, uh, like situational maps. Like, okay, you're mm -hmm. here, and and you know they've they've actually got like you know, a place on the docks or whatever, and they, they actually have a little breakout of a map on the page so you can reference it. They do that very well in here. I think there's a tower in here. Yep. I'm trying to go through yeah. Yeah. Fire yeah. towers, they call them. Uh, you know, just tactical maps, um, which you did not see in a lot. Again, you just didn't see in a lot of TSR products at the time. Um, I mean, they're all, they're all through here, which is actually a good thing because there is no art in this effing book. There are literally... <laughs> Three pick three illustrations in the entire book, and one of them is a rehash of the cover. Yep. So um, Rossoff must have been very busy because <laughs> he didn't have any time to get to this thing. But um, there is a I, – I, I can't wait for the book to get here because I just want to see it. it. To me, it seems like there is a – as well as it's laid out and, and done like that, there is a lot of gray, in it, like just page after page of text, text, text. Uh, you don't get to your first illustration on page 19. Um, and then there is another. I'm gonna no, 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 there's on, there's on before no, there's that. The village picture on, uh, what is this? Yeah. Uh, page and then there's all those maps. Nine. Yeah, so page, yeah. yeah, is that page four? Page four has the huts, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, you've got, that's it. That That's literally two illustrations. Yeah, and then a bunch of maps up, in there, way, which are nice. But really, it's very cool, very sci-fi looking. I, I love it. The art, the two pieces they have are great cover yep. phenomenal but don't get this book looking for 
<laughs> inspirational <laughs> art going through it, you're not going to get it. Um, Back on the story, the one the one other thing yes. I think I wanted to to add in there was the um, I somehow want the Heliopes to have some hint of the Sathar. Like I feel like there yeah. needs to be some like they they live there. They should know that there's at least something weird out there. That yeah, some sort of like folklore of what happens when you go into those woods or something exactly. like that. Or well, and it should be whispered to the PCs. At exactly. Some point, right? That's yeah. what. Yeah, that's a more sure. organic way of, of and that yeah. also helps, I think, set up the like, hey, you give us this tank, we'll take care of your like, as opposed mm. to like, then we can have a conversation about, you know, who's helping who do what. And I think that seems a lot more. And I don't even like, like, I think even if like, if I want to put my, I'm running this, my star for I don't even want to use the Savar. I want to use somebody else in here because. I don't want the PCs, you know, oh, look, it's a sad art. I mean, they, they're they all going to know who they are immediately. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have some mysterious thing that well, they don't and, know anything about. I think I talked about it before, with. how they didn't really pick a, a lane for this base, like what its purpose is. And, and I think if they just, good, if they yeah. lean into the whole idea that this is a, um, this is a, a base for training agents and that sort of thing. Uh, and then you have some of those agents infiltrating the, the Heliope village uh, so that, you know, at first there's, oh, there's these, these off-worlders here, you know, what are they about? Why are they hanging out here? And lo and behold, they're actually, you know, also maybe looking for the tank or looking for technology or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a way you could hook in the Sathar base. I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's uh, – Yeah. It's a weak connect. Yeah, it's a weak connection. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of already beat to death of what, what I'm thinking with this. But that that's where I, – I know that's where I would go. I yeah. I like this as a Gamma World adventure a lot, or hell, Morrow Project adventure. That would be effing cool. Um, although you're dealing with aliens and a lot of strange things, which Morrow Project doesn't necessarily deal with. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a fun it's a fun setting. Like I think they yeah. did a really nice job, and I think yeah. So so really, in this case, it's it's uh, it's punching up the plot a little bit and giving the PCs a little more, the players a little more something to dig into and be excited oh, about. I, yeah. Now I remember what I wanted, to, what I think I would bring into this place somehow. Uh, Lou is, Lou mentioned it earlier on, like the, the, the Helios or whatever they're called. Right. Helios. Yep. He gives us big backstory. on it. Um, we don't learn any of it as a player. Nothing. Helio. No, yeah. no, no. Um, and they have this, you know, they talk about the click thing. I, the clicks sound fascinating to me. I yeah. would somehow get something in here related to that no. to build no. this story. I mean, um, it it they even go into detail here how the clicks would use their weapon and how they manipulate mm-hmm. them and stuff. But then it's just the the ball gets dropped and nothing ever nothing ever comes back to it. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think that would be something else I would I'd like to integrating here i didn't do a lot of thinking on that necessarily but other than i know it felt uh it felt missing just felt missing in the book and it needs to be brought back in um funny they thing had some uh, nasty uh native wildlife here oh like the, there's, yeah like the the yes. entire lakefront is is beset by this like tentacled octopus thing that uh, i mean pretty much you can't get past i mean it's it, that would be a major fight to, to do anything out on the lake other than Run across the planks they've got set up. Well, you need the green goo, right? To uh, yeah. So the the natives know. uh, Yeah. 
if they yeah, cover themselves in this goo, it doesn't it doesn't want them. Then there's, there's these insects that yeah. bore their heads into you, and they can only be removed through surgery. It's pretty crazy. There's six new monsters for your Star Frontiers game in here, so that's that's your thing. Um, and I, again, not being totally versed in the rule system, uh, a couple of them are pretty cool, um, I think. But, uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of content in here for sure. It actually, it's more than six new monsters because then you got the the biogenetic constructs that the. the oh yeah, that was the other thing the base was being used for is bio bioconstructive yeah. research. Again, very <laughs> gamma worldish to me, right? I mean, it feels like this. Oh man, I would, I, you know, the conspiracy theorist wants to come out and say, "Hey, this was a gamma world module <laughs> for Star Frontiers." It Oof. feels like that. It just Could be, really yeah, it swung it over to a different product line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. That's I, I don't really have much more. No. Nope. So inter, inter, uh trivia part. So um on the on the front cover they uh you know the the flavor text says you know the crew of the UPF Speed must discover uh you know what's under this temp uh, pyramid to save the planet kind of thing. They give away the entire thing. I mean right there. <laughs> but um but the funny part is when you get into the book, uh, that is actually not the name of the ship the PCs arrive on. So they changed <laughs> it at some part. So they either didn't change it in the text or they didn't change it on the cover. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, they arrive on the even on the back of legs or something. It's where, where the hell is it? On the back cover, they've got it as the, the VSS sent a speed. Which uh, the the UPF oh. is the United Planetary Federation, which is in in yeah. Star Frontiers, kind of like the yes. the Federation, you know, the the good guy organization. So yeah, and then the, the, the VSS, the the theory is that that stands for the uh, Vrusk Shipping Systems or something like that. It's the a ship. They, they just, arrive uh, on the, the VSS last legs. So it, it's yeah the yeah. oh that's right yeah that was a fun name I liked last legs. Yeah, as a sort of a, uh, you know, because that the the dude, uh, not Milliken, but whatever the, the dude that hires them, like yeah. it seems like sort of a Han Solo scoundrel type for sure. And I liked I liked him being on this because uh, that's what maybe got that. That's what caught my eye is I'm like, wait, that's that's not what I read before. It was the Senate <laughs> which I didn't really care for that much, but it's okay. But but last leg, that's a good one. Yeah, last leg's a good one. Well, you know something else we so... didn't uh, we didn't play in, but I think actually might be really fun, is that I feel like it's just a little spinoff somewhere, a little uh, throwaway. But it, the the guy who hires them is rushing because he knows that his captain and the official officialdom is mm-hmm. going to come to the planet. Yeah, and so there's this race going on uh, to to find the treasure before before I guess the foundation or the uh, federation shows up. And to me, that could be an awesome part of the plot, too. When it sort of hints at that this guy's kind of, you know, uh, like you were saying, like a ne'er-do-well a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, like he's Most not particularly, before, yeah. like, concerning himself with the the native life here. Not he's trying all. to get this done before the officials get involved. Yeah. But, I mean, that could be played up. You could really have it be like, oh, who did we get hired by here? This this guy is going to start a war, you know? That might be a whole okay. different oh. fun way to to take this. Uh, inst- yeah, you know, but I mean. Off- like the the off plot pressure off. coming in, mm-hmm. yeah, I I like. Yeah. It. I mean, for sure. Like I said, if you were users for Star Frontiers, I, 
I, it needs work. I think it just needs, it needs, um, man, you re rarely hear me see this. It just needs more narrative content. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's agreeing with Edwin. He's saying we need more narration. He's, he's I know. all I have a player agency. Who the hell are you? I don't know. I have a You're an Android. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> But, All right. You know, I, think that, I think that's it for for this adventure. I mean, it, yeah. it was really fun to take a look at it, by the way. So yeah, it was. anybody out there who is also like me, who, you know, I consider myself a very well, well versed in TSR stuff. Star Frontiers is something, again, our group never picked up. I, I own the stuff from way back, never read it, never played it. Um, it was really cool to, to, to pick this and and get that look of kind of like, a little bit into what Star Frontier is in. And for me, it was really, it was really fun to see Gary Spiegel's name on here. Um, I didn't realize that when we picked it, I didn't realize until we actually started looking, I started looking at it. I was like, Oh my God. Um, it's kind of odd. No I, I recommended it because I had this like really endearing memory of this game, but I think the game master was just pulling stuff out of his butt and just happened to come up with this great game that was loosely based around what's here. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I have a uh, a D three at hand here. If we're ready for the next got... excitement here, let's awesome. see. Was was it? Uh... We've got uh, Jesse, John, and Alex. So that is a three. Putting on right, with so Alex, Alex. Alex and the variable damage. Variable right, damage. Alex will be sending you off a uh, unnatural selections volume two collection of post apocalyptic monsters. Nice. Uh, you'll be getting it with the first wave of people that uh, back the Kickstarter. There, so uh, hope you enjoy it. Hope it has some. Crazy critters you can use in some game, and uh, they do do variable damage. So there you go. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, this hey. has been the February episode of this old dungeon. We'll be back again in March to give you a little more uh, content here. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll be covering, but it will be old, uh, whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'll give you my report on the vinyl map. Awesome. Take care, yeah. everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs> You have been listening to This Whole Dungeon, copyright 2024. The opinions expressed by the hosts are simply that, opinions meant for entertainment value. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to write into the program, please do so at thisoldungeon at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.